Ephesians chapter 2, page 18-19, if you're using the Pew Bible in front of you. Ephesians 2, we will read verses 8 through 10. This is God's word given to us, his people, for our good. Let us give our attention to its reading. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God endures forever. We've been considering this month as we approach the 500th anniversary of the beginning of the Reformation. We've been considering the five pillars of the Reformation. Tonight we consider... Faith alone, faith alone, and faith alone in light of the table uh, of which we will partake shortly. We can summarize the, the five solas of the Reformation into an even shorter declaration. If you really want to make it short, the meaning of the Reformation is very simply, God alone saves. God alone saves. The scriptures are full of this truth. The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ which brings this declaration, God alone saves, into the clearest focus. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy, the foundational truth about what Jesus Christ came to do. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, Paul says. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom, I am, among whom I am the foremost. Saving sinners. This is why Jesus Christ came into the world. He did not come into the world so that we might become good philosophers. He did not come into this world to give us abundant worldly riches. He did not come into this world like the medieval church had begun to teach so that our natures might be elevated out of our human problem. He came to save sinners. He came to deal with sin. The Reformation was necessary in order to make the gospel as clear and as understandable as it was when the apostles were walking the earth. We get life instead of death because of Jesus. Because of sin, we deserve death. Because of sin, we deserve eternal condemnation. God is a God of justice, and God is a God who will by no means clear the guilty. We deserve death, but in the gospel, we receive life. And in the gospel, we hear that the God who would justly condemn us is no longer against us in wrath, but is for us in blessing. We get life instead of death, we get blessing instead of cursing. In our sin, God is against us in wrath. In Christ, God is for us for all eternity. 
These are words that must always ring in our ears. The gospel must never get old for us to hear. It must always assure us. It must always comfort us. It must always renew us. And it must always transform us. The table, the Lord's table, is the place to be reminded of the truth of the gospel. We are fickle creatures. We forget. We are prone to wander. Our minds stray from the truths that we often hear, from the truths that we often read and and try to keep in our minds day by day. We're fickle and we forget. Our bodies weaken. Our souls become cold and embittered to our Lord and our King. But the elements of bread and wine are meant to give us a fresh perspective, fresh eyes on what our Savior has done for us. We, we not only hear of Jesus Christ, we see him in the elements at the table. And God gives these signs to us so that we might understand how it is that he builds us up. He is nourishing our souls. That's what's happening at the table. Just as we are not saved through our own efforts, just as we are not saved through our own might, through our own worth, through our own merit, just as those things are true, so we are not built up through our own efforts. So we are not built up through our own worth. So we are not sustained through our own merit, but that of Christ. We are nourished, we are fed for the journey from something that comes from outside of us. Not from within, but from without. God speaks of a great banquet at the last day in which all of his people from all ages will be united together. We are welcomed through the doors of this banquet without paying a cent. And this table is a foretaste of that. But it is not as if admission to the great banquet is absolutely free in every sense. Someone had to pay the price. And Christ has paid the price for our entry. And the ticket to enter is faith. Faith. Faith alone. By faith alone we feast. By faith alone we eat. This is what we must remember this evening. As we gather around this table, none of us deserve to be here. None of us deserve to be here. We are here because of God's grace. We are here because God's grace is active to us through faith. It is what Christ has done in his death and resurrection, and by faith alone we feast. In this wonderful little passage we are considering from Paul, he begins by saying, For by grace you are saved through faith. By grace you are saved through faith. What we learn from that is that it is our faith which corresponds to God's grace. Faith in us corresponds to grace in God. We considered last week what it means to be saved by grace alone. And here Paul connects the two. Grace and faith are closely connected. So we ask, are we saved by grace or are we saved by faith? Both are true. Both are true. But in the New Testament, when you have both things together, close to each other, grace and faith, you often see different prepositions used to describe how they come to us. The same is true here. By grace, you are saved through faith. This, of course, does not mean it would be wrong to say you are saved by faith. But when both grace and faith are mentioned together, 
we usually find that saying, by grace you are saved through faith, in order to show that the grace of God and grace in God corresponds to faith in us. In John's gospel, there's a wonderful saying by Jesus, wonderful for us to consider tonight. Our Lord says this, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus calls the hearers to believe in him, to believe in him. It is specifically in Christ that we are called to place our trust, place our trust in Christ. Why is Christ worthy of our trust? Why should we believe in him? Why should we put our faith in him? He tells us in the exact same verse, doesn't he? I am the bread of life. It's because he is the bread of life that we are to trust him. What does that mean? It means that he is heaven's gift for the life of the world. Heaven's gift given for the life of the world, specifically for all those who would believe in him. Jesus goes on to say a few verses later, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and and I myself will raise him up on the last day. When Jesus says that it is the Father's will that everyone who would behold the Son and believe in him, there is this idea of first seeing who it is that Jesus is for us. Who is he? And what has he done? And then trusting in exactly that. First, there is a beholding. There's an understanding of what Christ has done and and who he is for us. And what we see in Christ is that he is the foundation for being made right with God. Not only is he the foundation, but he is the end. He is all that we need. God put him on display, as Paul says in Romans 3. God put him forward as a propitiation, as something which would turn away the wrath of God. God put him on, this, on display as the only means by which anyone would be saved. We are saved in Christ alone. There is no other Savior. There is no other way. There is no other possibility. And God declares this gospel to the whole world and says, if you believe in my Son, behold him and believe in him. By faith alone you will be saved. By faith alone you will be made part of this Savior. He is the righteous one. He is the one who earned heaven and eternal life for us. In him are the blessings of salvation. But how is it that Christ is all of that for us? We behold the Son, and he is the righteous one. He is the Savior. How does all of that get from where he is in heaven down to me and my heart and my sin and my problems? By faith, by believing By beholding the Son and believing Him, by grace you are saved through faith. Our rational minds try to convince us, don't they? Try to convince us that there are ladders of human achievement that God must, He he must look upon as as merit for salvation. That which we try to do, uh, instinctively our nature tells us that God will reward those who work and strive for their salvation. That's what we constantly convince ourselves of. But the gospel is that we must lay aside every ladder of human achievement and we must stop trying to climb up to the heights where Christ is. 
We must stop trying to overcome our estrangement from God. We must stop trying to climb where he is and we must place our faith in him and simply believe. It is not by human effort that we climb to Christ. Rather, by faith, God lifts us up to Christ. Faith is simply trusting. It's not a work in a human sense, is it? It's not something that we do through our effort. Faith is not a work in a human sense. It is the only fitting thing that could correspond to grace. If God were to say, by grace you are saved through something else, courage. By grace are you saved through courage. It wouldn't make sense, would it? It's only faith. Because what is faith? It's trusting in something else. And it's abandoning everything that you find within yourself. Gaze inward and see that none of it will merit salvation. Rather, look outwards. Look to the Savior. Look to Jesus Christ. But do not fall into the, tem- in the temptation to hear that salvation by grace, uh, salvation is by grace, and thinking that God then no longer cares about our lives. Don't fall into that temptation. The supper is the perfect place to be reminded of that. If you need a reminder that God cares about our lives and he cares about what we do, think about the fact that he has given us a covenant meal to which we are to return time and time and time again. God cares about what you do. God cares about sustaining your faith and your confession of the gospel of Christ and how you live your lives. He cares about sustaining you in his grace. The supper is where we are reminded of all of these things and where we find the nourishment to walk through this world in faith. But faith is not something that springs up out of our own ability to see the truth of the gospel, is it? No, even our faith, as we read in Ephesians, is what? It is a gift from God. It is God's gift to us. And faith is a gift, as we read in the the end of this passage. It is a gift for works. It is not from works. Faith is not from works, but it is for works. This is not of yourselves, as Paul says. It is not from yourselves. It does not start with you. It does not finish with you. God alone saves. God alone saves. It is what God has given And it comes to us from his sovereign grace. Why was I made to hear thy voice and enter while there's room when thousands make a wretched choice and rather starve than come? Faith is a gift from God and it humbles us because if it were not for the grace of God, we would not see the truth of the gospel. Since it is by faith, it is not from works It is not from works, but it is for works. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In the ancient world, when you went into a building, you would see all of the the, the various, and we still see this today, people who who give to buildings and uh, all these things that are dedicated to them, stones which have their names on them. And that was very true in the ancient world. All, all of these dedications within a building by such and such. And you know, this helped to be built by such and such. But the church is built by God. So the perfect reminder is on our church building. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone out on the front, the front corner there. 
Christ is the cornerstone and God builds this house. We are the workmanship of God. We are his creation. Created for what? To do good works. Created to honor him and to glorify him in our lives. Created to live in light of his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Why? Because we're saved by grace through faith. Saved by grace through faith. So lean on his grace tonight. Eat in faith and lean on grace. The sacrifice of Christ, the price paid for us at Calvary, it is full, it is perfect, and it is sufficient. What we do at the table is not a recreation of the cross. It's not a recreation of that. It's a a looking back to the one perfect work of atonement that was finished for us at the cross. It's a declaration that the Holy Spirit ministers to us. Even though we are not recreating that event, the Holy Spirit ministers grace to us, which comes to us through the cross. By faith alone, we come. Trust not in yourselves. Trust in God's grace. Come by faith. Let's pray. Father, as we then ready ourselves, remind us of your gospel And Father, we ask that you would assure us of your love and your mercy. For your son's sake, amen. Before we sing this song in the the Psalter hymnal, let us go and affirm our faith together.